Good morning. We greet you, the brethren and I, in the name of Jesus Christ. Crown him Lord of all. Thank you, Nathan, for that. Thank you, Shelby, for your ministry today. And I am honored and privileged to be associated with these men behind me. Each one of them I respect in their ministry and in their testimony that they have for our Lord and Savior and uh, the way they carry themselves in their lives. And by way of scripture, I would like to read a section or a portion from Mosiah 1. And as I read through this chapter this week, these verses stood out to me. And I kept returning to them and reading them and contemplating what what I would bring or what I would mention in conjunction with this. And as our class unfolded today, I realized why that was. And so this is Mosiah 1, starting in verse 86. O all ye old men, and also ye young men, And you little children who can understand my words, for I have spoken plain unto you that ye might understand. And of course, he's talking to the ladies too. I pray that ye should awake to a remembrance of the awful situation of those who have fallen into transgression. And moreover, I would desire that ye should consider on the happy and blessed state of those that keep the commandments of God, of God. For behold, they are blessed in all things, both temporal and spiritual. And if they hold out faithful to the end, they are received into heaven, that thereby they may dwell with God in a state of never-ending happiness. Oh, remember, remember that these things are true, for the Lord God hath spoken it. And so in our class today, we talked about praying for our enemies and how difficult that is. And this scripture, one thing I would admonish you is let us remember those who've fallen into transgression. Let us remember those that are out in the world that do not know this Jesus Christ. And let us pray for them. And let us not hold ourselves up as we would on some remiumptum tower and pray for them and, and their misery and that we're better than them. But I would encourage you to remember those who know not the Lord Jesus Christ. It is our responsibility, brothers and sisters, to share this Jesus Christ, to share this testimony which we have with them, and to consider that in the the days that lie ahead, the kingdom of heaven, that we should desire that all would be there to dwell with the Lord, and how blessed and how happy that state shall be. Won't you please uh, remember and continue to remember our brother Matt as he has made the preparation to stand before you this hour. May the Lord bring his blessing to you through his spoken word is my prayer.
God, the Eternal Father, Thou who art from everlasting to everlasting, great I am. We, thy people, uh, lift our voice in praise unto thee in the courts of glory and ask that you might listen to the words that we would speak this day. Father, we pray and ask uh, that you'd forgive us of our sin. Make us clean, make us whole. Help us to come down, Father, into the depths of humility. And Lord, as we uh, prepare to enter into this hour of worship, we would pray and ask that you would be so kind as to send uh, that abiding comforter, that Holy Spirit of promise, your Holy Spirit, to be here in this place, to bless your people, to bless our brother Matt and the words that he would bring, bless each and every uh, priesthood man here in this place today, that we might uh, be aware of the needs that are round about us, that we might be able to uh, stand in the stead of Christ, Help us all, Father, to be valiant in our testimony. Pray that you would uh, help us to uh, be aware of those that, uh, as the Scripture says, are despitefully uh, persecute us, that we might pray for them, that we might be able to bear witness to them of the truth. And with uh, joy in our hearts, share of the fullness of the gospel of thine only begotten Son. Thank you, Lord, for this Sabbath day and the opportunity to come to worship. Be with us now, we pray and ask, in the sacred name of Jesus, our Savior, even the Christ. Amen. to be reading out of Mosiah chapter 1, verses 55, 56, and 58. And behold, all that he requires of you is to keep his commandments, and he has promised that if you would keep his commandments, ye should prosper in the land. And he never doth vary from that which he hath said. Therefore, if you do keep his commandments, he doth bless you and prosper you. And secondly, he doth require that you should do as he hath commanded you, for which, if you do, he doth immediately bless you, and therefore he hath paid you. And also from Proverbs 19.15. Seems I've lost my verse. But, um, so if we... As we keep the commandments and in giving tithing and helping others, even through giving to the poor, he doth immediately repay us for what we have given him. And he returns unto us exactly what we have given. I have a testimony where I was working one day and, uh, and I was on my way home from work and I saw a person on the side of the road who was in need of help. And so um, they were asking for a handout and I, I gave them one. And the very next day, I was returned exactly what I was given. And so, as we seek to help others, the Lord repays us exactly what we had given to others. Will you bow with me? Dear and gracious, loving Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here to be in thy service and in thy presence. Please bless this offer, this money, that it may be used for those who need it, that it may go to the... Uh, to the needs of others, and that those who give it may be blessed and receive that which they have given. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.
The scripture today that was chosen is out of the 37th Psalm, and we're going to read 3 through 8. So the 37th Psalm, um, verse 3 through 8. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself, because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Listen here. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. My wife tells me that when I get nervous, I either whistle or smile a lot. So, um, <laughs> I think I've said this before. It's it's easy. So, being a teacher for me, it's easy to get up in front of uh, class of students or a staff and talk. But uh, this is one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do. So Sunday mornings, Sunday mornings are hard for us sometimes. Trying to get tiny human beings into their outfits for church. Fed, showered, clean, deodorant on, whatever it may be. Get your teeth brushed. Get out the door and get to church. It's hard. Um, There are some Sunday mornings where there is yelling. um, And then you have to walk into church and put a smile on and be happy. There's sometimes that anger comes up. And like in the 37th Psalm, in verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Now, what is what is anger? What can we define as anger? And so the, the dictionary says that anger is a strong feeling of displeasure or annoyance and often of active opposition to an insult, injury, or injustice. In doing my research on anger, I didn't realize there are three types that we have placed Um, anger in. So there's three different types of anger. There's that passive aggression, open aggression, and assertive anger. Now, I understand that there are three different types of anger, but I'm going to change that a little bit, and I'm going to say that there are two types, and I'm going to say that anger um, in dealing with pride is kind of sinful anger, but then that that's the kind of anger that starts at your feet and boils all the way up and begins to grow and take over your thoughts, take over your actions. And then you have that anger that kind of starts in your heart, and it's that anger for change. It's that anger of potential injustice that is taking place, and you are trying to um, trying to make change or change someone's behavior, change someone's actions. 
Now, anger in general, for the most part, if we were just to say anger is an emotion and a singular emotion, anger in general has the ability to steal your joy and happiness. Now, the Bible mentions the feelings of anger over 500 times. So it talks about it a lot. It's probably one of the strongest human emotions besides love. Now, love can take over and get rid of that anger. But anger is one of the strongest feelings of uh, strongest human emotions. Like I said, you begin to lose your ability to control your emotions. You start to cry, potentially. There's yelling involved. There are some... Um, actions and reactions that you are not able to control um, because it takes over. And when you allow anger to take over, you forget that the Lord is by your side, there to assist you and there to walk with you. Now, you choose... In my instances, you choose to allow anger to come in. You choose to allow anger to take over. In Ephesians 4.26, the Lord is asking us, Can ye be angry and not sin? Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Can you have anger? And not have sin. That's a question that is he is asking. But then his advice he is telling us. Do let not the sun go down on your wrath. So to me that's telling me do not go to sleep. With anger in your heart. So um, my grandparents on my. So my, my dad's parents. My grandparents on my dad's side. Name were John and Betty. But to us as grandchildren, they were Grammy and Pampy. I don't know who came up with those names, but somebody did at some point in time, so we just followed suit. They, and I think I've told this testimony before, but they, they um, met during World War II. My grandfather was stationed overseas, and my grandmother had a friend um, ask her if she wanted to write to a soldier. So they wrote letters back and forth. And that's how they fell in love, because as soon as, as, soon as he got back, They were married, lived in uh, Troy, New York, which is upstate New York, and then moved to southwest Missouri. They were married for 49 years um, until he passed in 1994. And I can tell you from the time that I can remember until his passing, they never spoke um, an ill word toward each other. Ever. Ever. And, I, and they went through hard times. They went through struggles. Um, but the advice that my grandmother gave me before I was married in 2004 was that advice right there. Do not go to sleep angry because it, it'll grow in your heart and it'll grow bigger the next morning. So that's something that I strive to do um, on a daily basis um, or whenever I feel... Um, Anger bubbling up. Um, But I also remember that the Lord is there to help me with whatever that situation is. Now, the question I have is anger, is anger an emotion that is only resorted to those of us who are sinners? Now, with anger being in the Bible over 500 times, the book of Mark tells us, so if we look in Mark chapter 3, Verse 4 and 5. Now, this is a situation where the Lord, it's the Sabbath day, and the Lord is in the market. um, And the Pharisees are telling him, "You you can't do any miracles on Sunday. You can't do any miracles on the Sabbath. And Jesus, and he said unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked around about for the hardness of their hearts, 
excuse me, and when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he said unto the men, or under the man, stretch forth thy hand. So he is attempting to heal a man on the Sabbath. The Pharisees tell him no, and the Lord gets angry. That's what I, that's what I mean when I say that, that anger that starts in your heart when you're trying to make change. When you're trying to do good and others will not allow you to do good. In Romans, we see that not only Jesus, the perfect son of God, gets angry, but God gets angry with us from time to time. So if we look in Romans, the first chapter, the 18th verse, and allow me to get there. Now, God... We don't, in the Bible, it's not necessarily defined as anger with God, but it's defined as his wrath. For the wrath of God, and this is Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who love not the truth but remain in unrighteousness. Anger is not just a man-made emotion. God gets angry with us when we aren't doing what he's telling us to do. Now, we can easily learn about God's wrath in the 8th chapter of Genesis as well, in the story of Noah. And the transgressions that men had, God cleansed the earth, gave a promise. And upon that cleansing, we find joy. So yes, you can have joy out of anger, but you can choose joy instead of anger. From the book of James, we learn that God gives us a blueprint for how to handle anger and not to allow it to grow. Now, I'm speaking of anger because um, it, it, is, it is one of those things that it's so easy... Excuse me, let me find this real quick. It is I can't multitask. It is so easy to get angry most of the time. It is one of those emotions that you feel, potentially can feel on a daily basis. So the first chapter of James 19 and 20. So verse 19 and 20. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. The moment that we choose anger over joy is when we put a wedge in between ourselves and God's grace. He is with us all the time. He is walking with us. He carries us at times. But when we choose to get angry over a situation, we are choosing to put that wedge between us. And we are not choosing to follow his commandments. Now, how easy is it to allow our emotions to control our actions? We see in Matthew seven twenty-two and 23... It is easier to go with anger than it is to do the hard thing and go with joy. Matthew 7.22 says, Repent therefore and enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be who go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. How easy... Is it to give in to our emotions and go with the actions that come with those emotions? That's simple. That's human nature. But how hard is it to fight against that? How hard is it to follow the truth that God has provided us? That's hard sometimes. It's easy to go with the world. It's very easy to go with the world and the way of the world. But it's hard to go against the world at times. And sometimes we make it hard on ourselves. 
Simply put, would we be justified to be angry in most situations? And how hard is it to keep the Lord present in everything we put, everything we do, and put Him first before all else, including our emotional roller coaster? It is uncomfortable to control your emotions, especially anger. That is a hard thing to do. Now, school started Wednesday. The first couple days are are fairly simple. First couple days are um, I, I hand you my syllabus. We go through the syllabus. That way you understand my expectations and everything's clear. The second day I get to introduce myself to you. Um, to put a little PowerPoint up. Uh, you still out. You fill out a student information sheet, um, and that way we kind of get to know each other. The third day is when we actually start instruction. So Friday, and I don't normally like to start something on a Friday, but we started on Friday. We start with annotations, and I think majority of you probably know what annotations are, but there are seven, seven different types of annotations. And, but the first thing we annotate is a letter that Martin Luther King Jr. wrote from, the, uh, from jail in Birmingham, Alabama. Before we read the letter, I preface the conversation with, is history all sunshine and rainbows? And it is not. There are some bad, bad, evil things that we discuss, that we have to discuss. Because, again, if we don't learn about history, we are doomed to repeat that history. And so I try to explain to them that there's going to be some uncomfortable discussions and conversations that we're going to have. But for us as human beings, for us as individuals, and for us as a society, for us to grow, what do we have to do? We have to get uncomfortable at times to grow. Because if we just totally lived in comfort, would we get any better? Would we better ourselves? Would we better society? And the answer is no. And so I, I, I teach sophomores and juniors, sophomores for world history and then juniors for U.S. history, but we have this conversation across the board with everybody, so that way you understand. Because in the letter from Birmingham, we're talking about segregation, we're talking about racism, we're talking about things that are not easy to talk about. And later on, we, we, you know, we, we discuss politics, we discuss religion. There's all these things that we discuss in history class. But I tell them, I'm going to teach you both sides so that way you can decide for yourself because you're going to have to. Especially juniors, they're two years away from being on their own and deciding on them for themselves. But the same, the same thing comes up when in dealing with anger. How easy is it just to fall into place with where anger takes us? Or any emotion for that matter. How easy is it just to fall into place? How hard is it to actually fight against that and bring joy to the picture instead of anger? How hard is it to um, get along with the individual that you're potentially arguing with instead of getting angry and walking away? Sometimes we have to be uncomfortable, and I'm telling you, from personal experience, the Lord is going to put you in uncomfortable situations for you to grow and for you to improve as an individual and become closer with him. Because without those uncomfortable situations, we do not grow and we do not get better. Now, the first thing that came to mind, so when, when we went on vacation this summer, um, we were camping in Wisconsin, um, took the scriptures with me and started to read. And I said, I'm just going to start from the beginning. Start from the beginning. Here we go. And so in preparing for this sermon, um, in thinking about being uncomfortable and thinking about anger, um, I thought of Adam and Eve. So let's think of Adam and Eve. Okay, You were created to take care of one another. You are created to take care of the animals in the field and the flocks. You are created to enjoy the comforts of the beautiful garden that God has made for you. You want for nothing. God has given you everything. Okay? So you are in that situation. You can pick any fruit. You can eat whatever you want. And it is the most beautiful place that you've ever been to. And then it starts to fall apart. Things start to change. You are forced out of the garden, taken from your home, And how do you react? 
Because I can tell you right now, if somebody tried to force me out of my house, I think I'd be pretty angry, right? Or if somebody tries to force something upon you that you don't want, I think I'd be pretty angry. Adam and Eve could be angry. Because anger begins to creep in. Anger begins to grow. Now, the worst possible situation has happened to Adam and Eve. And their existence on earth. And in today's world, would they be justified to get angry and lash out at God? I don't know. Now, we have to remember that anger is just an emotion. And it is something that we can control. Looking at Genesis 4.1. Now let's see what happens. So 4.1 through 6. Now this is a long reading, but we are going to see how Adam and Eve react to being kicked out of the garden. To being kicked out of the most beautiful place that you've ever seen in your entire life. It's the worst situation that could have happened in their life to date. How do they react? And it came to pass that after I, the Lord God, had driven them out, that Adam began to till the earth and to have dominion over all the beasts of the field. They had no food, they had no fruit, they had nothing, and they began to grow. And to eat his bread by the sweat of his brow, as I, the Lord, had commanded him, and Eve also his wife did labor with him. And Adam knew his wife, and she bare unto him sons and daughters, and they began to multiply and to replenish the earth. And from that time forth, the sons and daughters, two and two, wait, daughters of Adam began to divide two and two in the land, and to till the land, and to ten flocks, and they also begat sons and daughters. Multiply and grow. And Adam called upon the name of the Lord, and Eve also his wife. And they heard the voice of the Lord from the way towards the Garden of Eden, speaking unto them. And they saw him not, for they were shut out from his presence. You were able to walk with God on a daily basis. And now because of your transgression, you cannot. That's that's hard. That's tough. I'd be pretty angry. And he gave unto them commandments that they should worship the Lord their God and should offer the firstlings of their flock for an offering unto the Lord. And Adam was obedient unto the commandments of the Lord. And after many days, an angel of the Lord appeared unto Adam, saying, Why dost thou offer sacrifices unto the Lord? And Adam said unto him, I know not, save the Lord commanded me. Adam could have been angry. Adam could have said, I'm not listening to you. You just kicked me out. I'm done. But he didn't. He chose life and he chose joy and he chose taking care of his family over anger. He chose God's commandments over basic human emotion. Because I can tell you this, that being, and I've told you my testimony before, but living in the world and living of the world, there was no joy, there was no happiness, and there was a void that had to get filled. And it wasn't until Jesus Christ was entered into my life that that void was filled. Am I mad at God for the choices that I made? 25 years ago? No. Because God didn't make me make those choices. Is Adam and Eve mad because they they ate of the fruit? No. They chose to follow God's commandments. Now, it's easy to follow God's commandments when we're in a good mood. It's easy to follow God's commandments when 
things are going right. But when things go wrong and emotions emotions start to uh, drive our, our, our choices um, and we have those knee-jerk reactions to things because our emotions run high, that's when it's most important that we follow God's commandments and do what God wants us to do. That's when we have to remember what he's asking of us. That's when we have to find strength in the Lord. And that's when we have to remember that all things work together for good to them that love God. And that's from Romans 8.28. As we learned about in class this morning, or as we talked about in class this morning, God, everything was created, um, or everything that God created was good and is good. Not perfect, but is good and innocent. And it's until we allow... Um, those emotions uh, in that run our choices, that make us um, choose differently than what God would have us choose, that's when we begin to struggle. And it's hard sometimes. It's hard. So Adam and, Adam and Eve, are, are they're in the garden. They, they have this most beautiful situation. They, they have this most beautiful area. Um, and they get kicked out of the garden. And they have to start doing stuff on their own. It's hard to find joy out of transgressions, or it's hard to find joy out of um, disaster. 2011, we, uh, it was a beautiful Sunday in April. I think it was like April 21st or April 20th. I can't remember the exact date. <clears throat> beautiful Sunday like this. Um, Hadley is... Uh, one, she had just turned one. Um, Heidi and I are at the house, and go to church, come home from church, have lunch, do you know, do our normal routine, and it's right at kind of right at dusk. And it was, it was such a beautiful day. The windows were open. It was like that perfect picture, perfect uh, spring day. Windows are open, and um, on the news, I hear that there's a threat of um, a storm coming. And it's got some hail. Well, we, we, we had this nice car sitting outside. And I was like, I'm, I'm putting this thing in the garage. And we're not getting hail in this car. It's not going to happen. So I go pull in the garage. I come back in the house. I see the storm rolling in. I feel a raindrop. And I go, Heidi, we need to run around and shut the windows of the house. So we run around and we shut every window. And as we shut the last window, it unleashes. And we meet at Hadley's door, and the windows of the house, whatever it hit, had hit so strong that the, you could see the windows fluctuating because the pressure in the house was so great. Luckily, we shut all the windows, otherwise it would have been a disaster. But we meet at Hadley's room, and if you guys know, do I wake a one-year-old or not? It took about 30 seconds to deliberate. And by that time, the storm was over, and so we're like, all right, we're not, because to get Hadley to go to sleep was a monumentous task. You had to, like, ninja crawl out of her room just to get out so she didn't see you, but, so we didn't want to wake her up. I go, I go to the front, the front porch, open the front door, and the awning, the wind had blown so strong that the awning had kicked up, the, the, the stand had kicked out from underneath it, and it was kind of laying on the, the side of the house. So I picked up the awning, I pushed it up, put the stand in, and out of the corner of my eye, I look over, um, I can see the car that I had just put in the garage. So the irony of that in itself was amazing just because I put the car in the garage to get protected and the garage fell on the car. If I would have lifted it out, nothing would have happened to it, but anyway. So the garage is gone. I look over on the other side of the house and the barn is gone. So. We clean everything up over the next couple weeks, and we make a pile. We make a pile in the, in the field next to us. In this pile is uh, metal and concrete and brick and wood and everything that you can think of piled up in this ginormous pile. Eleven years later, a tree is growing out of this pile of destruction. A beautiful tree 
has found a way to grow through concrete, through metal, through debris, through utter destruction. A beautiful tree has found a way to grow right in the middle of this pile. And it's just growing tall, and it's standing there, and it's strong. And it just tells me that it is God's way of of bringing us out of the ashes. Making us, or giving us, the opportunity to rise above. It was the perfect situation for that tree, and God provided it for that tree to grow. Gave it the the sun, the water, the dirt, everything that it needed to grow. Out of destruction. And it tells me that I can do the same thing. With patience and with joy, it tells me that I can make it through anything. Absolutely make it through anything. No matter what is going on in my life. Now Adam and Eve were sent out of the garden to fend for themselves. They didn't have the knowledge to do that. They didn't have, um, they weren't raised um, on a farm to learn how to garden. But the, the Lord gave them the opportunity to learn. They have to multiply, replenish the earth. They have to build their own shelter. And they have to tend the earth. And that is hard work compared to the life that they were living. In Genesis 4.10, we see what Adam's reaction was. So, like I said before, Adam could be angry, Adam could lash out at God, and we would think that he potentially could be justified, who knows? But in Genesis 4.10, we see what Adam actually did. And in that day, Adam blessed God and was filled and began to prophesy concerning all the families of the earth, saying, Blessed be the name of God, for because of my transgressions, my eyes are opened. And in this life, I shall have joy. And again, in the flesh, I shall see God. What is the choice that you're going to make? If Adam and Eve can find a way to put their anger aside and remember their father was always with them to watch over them, what can we do when we get into those situations, those daily interactions that we have with other people? And you start feeling the the anger boil up when somebody doesn't agree with you. What are you going to do? I'm going to find a way to find joy in my life. And I'm going to find a way to walk with hope daily. That's the opportunity that God has given us. To find joy in our lives and walk with hope daily. That's what he is asking us to do every day.
loving Heavenly Father, with joy we approach thy throne of grace, and we are most grateful and filled because of the counsel we find in the commandments and which thou hast granted that thy Son might present to us that way that fulfills our life and brings joy and meaning, even in life's uh, times of unpleasantness, we still have the companionship and fellowship of one another and the power and presence that comes with uh, thy spirit through the gospel of thy son. And for this, we offer our thanks and gratitude, Father, and seek to uh, live life as thou hast counseled. We thank you for all of that, for the creation which surrounds us, and for those things that bring joy to our hearts. We are most appreciative, and we recognize that we uh, enjoy these things because of the grace of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen. Amen.